0: Thank you, guys. If you will take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of James in the New Testament, uh, one of the uh, epistles uh, to the churches at that time. Uh, It's in the back part of your Bible. If you are unfamiliar with it, uh, right before Hebrews, or right after Hebrews, excuse me, uh, you'll find um, the little book of James. And we're going to be looking again today at the topic of the Bible, what we know about God's Word. We've been in this series for a while, and the heart here uh, is to make sure we know the foundation on which we stand, Uh, to make sure that we and our kids aren't launched week after week out into the world, and we're not sending our kids to college and into marriage and into the workplace, having a a sense of the church, uh, a sense of morality, but really having no confidence in an authoritative foundation that we stand upon. And so that's uh, the heart behind this series of messages. We've learned so much about God's Word already, about how it's trustworthy and true and altogether right and authoritative. And today we come to a a message with the title, The Bible, God's Life-Changing Word. It's supposed to make a difference uh, in our lives. I got uh, a lot of comments this morning from you, of course, about... Yesterday's football game, I was so looking forward to the possibility this year uh, that I might could wear orange uh, this Sunday. Um, but that possibility vaporized uh, yesterday in a decisive way. This morning, you even had your children kicking me in the shins. And uh, it, was, uh, <clears throat> it was bad news. I saw this, uh, this mug that somebody says it's going to be our new church mug uh, right there. And it says, and all God's people said, go dogs. (laughs) I was downstairs in the children's wing, and one of the workers rushed out into the hallway to get their thoughts in on it. And uh, they said, I guess it's just that Georgia came to the game mad, that they were mad. And do you know what they were mad about? Being ranked what? Number three, right? All week long, they were mad about being number three. With Tennessee, number one, they came to that game angry, and maybe it paid off. I don't know if that was what was behind it uh, or not. Uh, But there's a frustration when something is not in its proper place, Uh, when when something's out of of the spot that it is rightfully entitled to be in. We don't like that, do we? (laughs) Excuse me. The apostle James, actually the brother, half-brother of Jesus, writes to this group of churches, because something is out of place. God's word is not where it's supposed to be in their lives, their their personal lives, and in the heart of the church. And there was conflict uh, all throughout these churches. The conflict was over money. There were rich people, and there were poor people in the church. Uh, There was great affluence in, in, in some lives and in some home groups and then in others there was just poverty and oppression that comes with that and there was fighting within because some were favored and maybe the leaders and the elders in those churches were saying hey you know you're very special because after all uh, you you're a business owner or, or your family's very profitable or very established uh, you sit here you know we're, we're going to honor you especially at the lord's supper time maybe they got to go first in line or maybe they got a, a bigger portion at the table there was fighting going on because of there was fighting over worldliness maybe some of these families wanted some of the the privileges and some of the comfor, comforts of the world <clears throat> of a sinful world to come into their new christian lives and it was wrong and there was a battle going on and in the christian said the church setting there might be those who, as someone was teaching, would just shout out in anger, would just interrupt that person and, and say uh, what their attitude or what their opinion was. Without patience, without consulting the Word of God, without knowing from, from His truth what mattered, they would just shout out. And they were angry at each other over wickedness. And the Bible even here Uh, uses the the word like an overflow. There's a rampant wickedness happening among some of these people because guess what? There was a rampant wickedness in the world. We could go on about it. it. It's unseemly to even talk about the things being done in that culture. And people said, this can also be a part of the church. Wouldn't that be neat if we could have it both ways And there was fighting going on. And the reason for the conflict might have seemed to be all these issues. But it was really because the word of God had not been allowed to take its proper place. And so we're going to look at this this morning. And we're going to read together beginning of verse 19. If you don't have a Bible today, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here without a good, reliable copy of God's word just for you. And we have those. They're very... A nice, uh, very quality uh, translations back on the table in the back for you. You take that if you need it. Uh, No strings attached, just a gift from our heart to yours. Verse 19, this man James, (coughs) half-brother of Jesus, (coughs) writing to probably a collective of churches, not not one single church, but house churches in this region. (coughs) He writes out of love. You'll see that in the opening statement here. He sends this to them to address the issues. Know this, my beloved brothers. This may seem very—I um, don't know—very um, high-minded, but it, it's a—it's a—it's a word of affection. Listen, dear ones, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. That I means slow down and listen a little bit before you just, i got to have it my way, before you just shout out your opinion or your thought on things or uh, how you expect Be quick instead of shouting to listen. Hear, listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. For For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Where do we see the anger of man in our culture today when it comes to Christians? When it comes to Christians lashing out about politics, for instance. When it comes to Christians who want to lash out about uh, uh, political matters or pieces of legislation. When when pastors uh, cannot resist the the public platforms afforded to us by social media, Twitter, and we just become little Twitter bots spewing out just railing about every corporate decision and who did this who did that and who went to disney and and uh, we we just uh, anger and the the bible says here the anger of man be careful slow down the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of god therefore put away all filthiness the word here just means you're dirty It literally means dirty. It's mostly used of of items or garments. I mean, they need washed. Here it's applied to people. Put away this nastiness that you're arguing about in the world that you want as a part of your new life in Christ. Put away this old junk and the rampant wickedness and receive. That word is key here. Receive. Stop putting out so much. Stop being such producers of your, your opinions and your attitudes and what you want and the wickedness. Stop being a people of output and become a people of intake. Receive this. Receive with meekness or humbleness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22 But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself. Now the word natural there is important. I mean, y'all ever looked at your natural face in the mirror? Right? Right? Some husbands say, I've seen the natural face, right? I mean, don't say it right now. But uh, <clears throat> you say, the, the natural face uh, in the, the mirror. I mean, you, we don't share that with a lot of people because what? Sometimes it's ugly, right? It's, it's not <clears throat> I wake up in the morning, I've told you this before, I bring up my iPhone, it's supposed to recognize my face, but in, in the morning when I first wake up, my iPhone makes me use the passcode. It does not like, <laughs> it does not like what it sees, um, You look in the mirror, the person who looks in God's word and and says, yeah, I've heard it. Okay, I got it. It's in here, and that's good enough. It's like the person that looks at his ugly morning face in the mirror, your natural face in the mirror, and you just go on to work just like that. You don't do anything. You don't brush your teeth. You don't comb your hair. You don't do any of that that you should do. You just go away, and you, you forget how bad you looked. In this case, you forget how sinful you were. You you look at God's Word as a reflection, and it looks back at you and reveals to you, hey, you're not matching up. You just walk away. I'm, I'm good with that. After all, I've heard. I've heard God's Word. I don't have to do it. Be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently he saw it he didn't miss it at his natural face in the mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty that's god's word the gospel and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing what does perseveres mean here it means you don't look intently at the mirror and just walk away and forget. You look, in, you, you look into the Word of God and you stick with it. And you keep at it. And, and, and you keep hearing from it and being changed by it. You persevere with it. It's not temporary. You don't just walk on out of there. You stick with it. <clears throat> if anybody does that, uh, being a, a, a no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then verse 26, and if you continue in James, gives us an illustration, an example of what it is to do. And this is not the only one. The book of James continues on about this. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Those are plain spoken words. If anyone thinks, oh, I'm religious, right? I got this down. I've heard the word of God. I'm not a doer, but I'm religious. But they won't even take the effort. They won't even be a doer enough to just bridle the tongue. Just careful what you say. Then listen. James says that person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress or their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now that's not the only example, but it gives us an example what it means to be a doer. In what ways does God's word belong in the proper place in our lives? In what ways does this word have the power to make us different. There are three ways I want to look at this morning. The first is this, it is a received word. This is a received word. We stopped on this for just a few moments uh, earlier <clears throat> that this is something we are to take in. The big command here in the opening verse is, is that we are to be re- we're to receive the implanted word which is able to save our souls but this command was being hindered by something. There were other things that they are commanded here. Before you can receive, you've got to what? Let go. You've got to take off. You've got to set aside. The word in the English standard version is to put it away. You can't do both at the same time. You ever carried groceries in and had to reach for your keys to open your door at home everything starts falling apart you just can't get them and before long the eggs are on the ground and, and and the bread is smushed why you can't do both at the same time and that's the example here you want to receive god's word there are things that you're going to have to first set aside you're going to have to put them away i was uh listening to my mom many years ago and you've heard this too your mama probably told you don't talk with your what with your mouth full And I should have listened to that. At the time I was a kid, I thought, oh, come on, you know, what's the big deal? Later on in life, you watch people talk with their mouth full, and it's disgusting, isn't it? I mean, you see them there, you're trying to have a conversation across the lunch table with them, and you want to say, did your mom never tell you, you know? And you see them opening their mouths, and all that food is mashing in there, right? And when they try to speak a word, they open it up, and... It stretches between the top of their mouth and the bottom. Little bands of food that get thin in the middle and snap, right? It's, it's revolting. I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> Ralph's like, enough. Uh, this happened to me one day in a, a meeting around a conference table in a small little conference room we were in at work, and uh, I had been on a strange little diet and was eating boiled eggs every morning. Now, that's nasty. I mean... But And they hated it. I would bring my little boiled egg in there and open it up. And you know the smell of a, it just came through the whole room. And I was chomping on my boiled egg with the yolk and all. You know, just chomping it up. And somebody said something I tried to respond to them. And guess what? Little particles of boiled egg. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. It was disgusting. And they hated me for it uh, for the rest of the day. You can't do both at once. You just can't take in and put out at the same time. Uh, and the word here is, you, you believers, it's time to receive the implanted word. And the implanted word was already within them in some sense. Maybe they had already heard it. Or maybe the gospel, so to speak, God had already planted it within them. It was there, but they had never run out the welcome mat. They had never received it. They had never let it make its way into their lives. And he's saying it's time to receive the word of God. Well, Lord, we're, we're trying to. We, we want to receive it. He said, put that junk down. Stop it with your anger. Stop it with your foolishness. Stop it with your worldliness. Stop it with your wickedness. You've got to lay these things aside. The powerful working of God's word in our lives does not happen when we refuse to keep the pathway clear for it to make its way within us. Do you understand that? We have got to keep the pathway open. We, we can't fill our arms with activities and opportunities. We can't uh, fill our lives with that, that last email before bedtime, I've got to get it out, and, and, and that first post, the first thing in the morning, and, and, and our arms are so full, we can't Fill it with worldliness. The things from this world that, oh man, you wish you could hang on to. Those sins and that carnality that everybody seems to be enjoying. And and there is a glint to it, an attractiveness to it that we don't want to say no to. God says, receive the implanted word. Embrace it. Let it fill into your life. Say, Lord, oh, I'm trying But I can't lay this stuff down. We've got to clear the pathway for the word of God. What we wind up with is a situation where righteousness, the righteousness of God is not being produced because God's people will not put away the things that are obstructing the path. The righteousness of God is not being produced. It's right here in this text. The righteousness of God is not being produced because we will not put away the things that are keeping God's word from making its home in the inner places within us. The very places that God desires to speak are the very places that we make at home the distractions of a sinful world or a sinful life. That's what we wind up with. What is your life too full of? If you, had to, if you had to make it personal, what is your life too full of that's keeping you from obeying God's command to receive his word? I mean, if you had to imagine, what is it that your arms are full of? What is it you're too busy <clears throat> taking in that there that there is no room for the word of God? What grudge is there in your life? What attitude is there what pattern what habit what system what demand is there what sin is there that's keeping you from obeying this this is a received word and it belongs in the proper place but secondly it is a producing word this is the real thrust of this whole of this whole series of this whole section of scripture here that we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only And if we are hearers only, we deceive ourselves. Why is that a deception? Because to to receive the word of God has two parts, not just one. It's not just to be a hearer of the word, but also to be a doer of the word. And the deception, we are deceived when we have heard the word of God, and we think, well, then I have received it. The Bible says, no, you need to be a hearer, both a hearer and a doer. Hearing the word alone does not constitute receiving God's word. Can you imagine going to a steakhouse, if you think of your favorite steakhouse? Mine is probably Texas Roadhouse. They have good steaks, they're cheaper, and uh, they're not over like at Outback, so now you know. But anyway, uh, that's uh, that's my favorite one, and we go there sometimes on vacation, and Uh, can you imagine going to your favorite steakhouse and they bring out that steak and it comes on one of those platters that's metal, right? The platter itself is hot. Maybe it's even cooked on that platter. It's it's metal. It has wood around it. You know, the steakhouse platters that come out and, and you take your ear and you just listen for a minute at that steak and it's sizzling. I mean, you can hear it popping and Oh, it's, it's delicious. And they put a little pat of butter on top before they brought it out. And you might, if you listen hard enough, you might even hear the butter just drizzling down off the, on that metal plate. It's delicious. And you think, well, you know, I want to get the full effect. I'm going to sniff it. And so you, you put your face, you just, oh, you just take it in. And you can smell all the great things of a perfectly cooked steak. And you look at it, it's got that pattern on it where they, they grilled it one way, then they flipped it 180 degrees. And, not, you know, the checker, I checkerboard steak pattern, it's just perfect. I mean, it's just the, deli- the, the, the delight that you had hoped for. And then you just push it back and say, hey, that was a great meal. I'm so glad we came here tonight. The steak was delicious, but you never did what? You never ate it. It's absurd. That is absurd, isn't it? And the absurdity should be evident to us in this text that someone could hear the very word of God as authoritative and true and uh, living and active and sharp, as a double-edged sword, as we've talked about it, cutting right to the division of uh, soul and spirit, of joint and marrow. Uh, it's a difference-making word. It's, it's the eternal truth of God. It contains the words of salvation. And we just listen a little bit, and take it in, and then push it back before we ever let ourselves be changed into doers by the Word of God. There's a man in our church who... Shared his testimony with me uh, several months back. He was in the military, and somebody reached out to him and said, uh, "Would you like to come and meet with me? We'll have a Bible study discussion. You know, we'll we'll explore this together." And out of interest, the man went. This junior, this uh, junior rank, uh, went to uh, meet with this older guy, and, and they spent some time week after week uh, at, at a at a lunch table, and and they um, went through this and studied it, and the gospel was presented, and it was clear, and it arose out of scripture, and, uh, and finally, the, the man, the, the mentor, if you will, uh, said to this younger officer, this younger enlisted person, said, would you like to make this decision today? Is this something you would like to do? Would you like to trust your heart to Jesus? And the answer was clear, no, I don't think so but I sure would like to continue this with you. The man said, no. He said, what do you mean, no? And the man said, looked him in the eye and said, you have been presented with the words of eternal life. This is the the life-giving well that springs up to salvation within you. The door to heaven is opened by the blood of the cross, the very Son of God gave of himself what he did not owe so that you could be forgiven of your rightful guilt. And you're going to say no to that? Well, there's no need for us to go on in an intellectual pursuit of these life-giving words if you're not going to let it, what, change you. That's the message here today. This is to be a producing word. The word of God is not to lie Dormant and docile in the life of a Christian. Like some tame, miniaturized little pet that we can keep around. God speaks with power, and if this power ought to be evident anywhere, it ought to show itself in the way it moves the lives of his own people. Do you agree with that today? It ought to show up. Ephesians chapter 2 puts it this way, for our benefit. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Your new life, created, born again in Christ Jesus, is for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It ought to produce something in our lives. What works are showing up? What works are showing up in your life? Because of the presence of God's word. An honest question. A question for me too. What works are showing up in your life because of God's word? I don't mean 10 years ago. I don't mean at that period of, Right now. What's going on? Is the word of God making a difference in your life? But lastly, it's a shaping word. This is to be a shaping word. The difference is to make us doers, for one, but it's also to draw us more into the likeness of God's own character, of God's own holiness shown here in his word. And God's word has this revealing effect. It reveals our true natures when compared to God's holiness. It is that mirror that we look into. And it prompts a change in us towards the righteous standards that we see there. When we look at the perfection of God's word, we cannot help but see the difference between who God is and who we are. And it is meant to move us in that direction. Olivia, my little girl, who's really kind of a big girl now, bigger, had a little party for her school class the other day at our house. All those kids were there. and I had woken up that day and I thought, well, I'm going to go, we made a little fire for her down the woods, and I thought, well, I'm going to be going down the woods, and doing the work, and cutting wood, and getting things ready, I don't really need to take a shower this morning, or comb my hair, and so I didn't do it, I didn't comb my hair, I didn't take a shower, I didn't brush my, I didn't do nothing, y'all, I just got up, put on some woods clothes, went down there, and started cutting up some wood, and building a fire, and setting out chairs, and putting gas in the lawnmower, and all the things that you do. Well, it wasn't long that the party was here. And people arrived for the party. And I cooked out the burgers and and, um, got everything ready. I met moms and dads and said hello and thank you for bringing your daughter or your son to this party and, uh, you know, all that you do. And at some point, uh, Erica, rather, Erica, my sweet wife Erica, came up to me and she said this. I got it written down here exactly word for word. She said, I wish you didn't look like you do. <laughs> now, a few things. Somehow, somehow, ladies, y'all get away with saying stuff to us. That if we said it to you, it'd be like a nuclear explosion went off. It'd be a life ender. Right? Just imagine if I had sit, gone to Erica or you had gone to your sweet wife and said in one moment of time, said, Ugh. I wish you didn't look the way you do, right? Well, she, she said it to me, and I just, I said, uh, and in, in fact, I was shocked. I thought, yeah, that's very harsh. That's very plain spoken, you know, and I said, that hurt my feelings, you know. She said, well, all these parents are here, you know, and, and you, uh, you know, you, you didn't look good, and your hair is all disgusting, and uh, she said, I just, you know, I said, I, I'm sorry, and, and she was right. I mean, in the end, she was right. I should have thought about that. I should have done what I needed to do. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the image here. We, we look at our face in the mirror. We see that the, the word of God reveals to us the imperfections. And the Bible says if anyone is, doesn't do anything about that, that's just somebody who has just heard the word. They haven't received the word of God. They haven't become a doer. They haven't let it. Change them. Friends, today, we do not enjoy the privilege. Not that it is a privilege, but we do not have the right, might be a better thing to say, we don't have the right to look into God's Word and to see the blessings of God there. Oh, what a blessed God this is. Oh, what He has showered upon me. We don't get to do that. We don't get to look into God's Word and recognize His holiness there. We don't get to look into God's word and hear the call of his voice there and just walk away unchanged. That's ridiculous. But we find that that is a pattern. That is something that the complacency that we're drawn back down into if we're not careful and alert to making sure God's word is in its proper place Ranked in the right position in our lives. I ask you this, when is the last time God's word made you want to change something you knew wasn't right in you? When is the last time that you looked in God's word and that mirror reflected God's holiness and your unrighteousness and it convicted you, convinced you, burdened you, weighed you down, I need to change this. And I don't have the strength to do it, so I'm going to go to God and you begin praying, Lord, change me. My attitude, my heart, my eyes. Change these things in me. When is the last time God's word made you want to change something you knew wasn't right in you? And if it's been a long time, if that feeling is foreign to you, if you had to think, it's been a while. You know, when as a teenager, a child, when I was early walking with the Lord, I remember those things. I remember that sincere connection that I felt to that. But honestly, Matthew, in career and family and busyness and all these things, that's a strange thought to me now. You need to go to the Lord about that. He'll be faithful to change you. See, God does this all. Not to harm us, but to bless it. The man who does this will be blessed in his doing. This, uh, allowing God's word to shape us, is an act of love. It's not an act of control. It's not an an act of uh, of dominance. It's an act of love to do things God's way. So what do you need to change for God's word to change you? What is it today that you know you need to change for God's word to have this effect in your life. Don't hesitate, friends, to open up the doors of your life to God's word and see what he accomplishes. Let me pray for us.